season four of the Telly Award-winning podcast. Standing in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America, coming at you hard like the students of Cobra Kai Dojo, striking first, striking hard, and showing no mercy. <laughs> I am Rylan. Go ahead. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg, Rylan. Sweep the goddamn leg. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter. Ringo award-winning greater refined comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and now Fashang Origins, and proud member of the Writers Guild of America, uh, striking member. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the uh, right this time is... David Avalone, comic book writer, uh, TV writer, but in the Animation Guild, standing in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America. Nicely done. As are so many of our, uh, our, our other unions. Yeah, uh, been a little while since we've been together, a little uh, little hiatus. I mean, mostly because so much upheaval in the business, you know, a, a topic we're going to cover pretty heavily today yeah. uh, uh, with, with our esteemed guests. But uh, what's going on in your life before we uh, get the ball rolling? Uh, well, Elvira in Monsterland number one came out a week ago. Oh, look at you with your copy. Loving it. So day, nice. Day, day one, big fan. Thank you. And there yeah. are... I, there should be a handful of signed copies left at Golden Apple on Melrose and House of Secrets in Burbank. Um, that uh, got good reviews. It seems to be selling really well, and people seem to like it, so that's always nice. And that and uh, picketing are uh, it's what I'm up to, writing more. We're, before we came on online, while I was talking about writing... Uh, Issue four of Elvira in Monsterland, um, which has one of my favorite titles, which is uh, You Don't Look Kaiju-ish, uh, nice. that, that being the Godzilla issue. And uh, what have you been up to? Um, well, a very wise man once said you can't always get what you want, uh, <laughs> but if you try sometimes... <laughs> You just might find you get what you need. Uh, what I would really, uh, what I want is uh, to um, solidify the uh, network situation with the TV show I just sold to a studio. Uh, sure. But we're not going to get that right now because we are uh, in a bare knuckle brawl with the studios. Um, so I am sidelined uh, with film and television right now. Um, but uh, as tends to happen with this nutty universe, um, kind of the moment we went on strike, a uh, comic company that I've worked with before kind of came out of the woodwork and said, um, uh, we figure you have some time on your hands now. <laughs> yeah. You did a little of that going, going around and we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah, you did a great series for us. Uh, we're having some trouble with uh, this thing over here. Why don't you come and uh, help us fix it? So um, just started a new job. I don't know if I can uh, fully talk about that yet. I uh, could tell you, but I have to kill you and all that. Sure. There are a lot of you out there, so I don't want to have to do that. Um, <laughs> but more, more on that coming soon. I think the coolest thing is um, this is in comic book shops now. Uh, Hulk annual number one. And oh, yes. And I would love to say that I wrote this, but I didn't. Uh, friend of the show, uh, uh, you know, um, one of our closest friends in comics, David Pepos, um, who is now going legend over at Marvel, wrote this. Um, but I happen to be the main character in his Hulk story. Um, <laughs> it, is a, it, it is a sort of Blair Witch style found footage story about a uh, an enterprising Hollywood director named Rylan Grant, who uh, looks and sounds a lot like me. Uh, who goes into the wilds of a jungle uh, to capture uh, the, the missing Incredible Hulk on uh, on film. 
and uh, hilarity and hilarity and violence in, uh, ensues. And so now, if you go to you go to all the official uh, Marvel databases, I am I have my own page. I am listed as a uh, as a main character and an incredible That's awesome. story. So um, awesome. I'm taking my victory lap this month. So go check it out. It's a great book. Uh, check out everything that Pepos is doing over at Marvel. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Can't say enough like, about it. Likewise, you can look up Commander Avalone on the Turtles database, as I am a character in that universe. It's very much not based on me because he's a old man with a white beard who's in the resistance movement against the foot in future New York. Nice. Uh, but I appreciate hearing my name bandied around by uh, Michelangelo and April O'Neil. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Not actually my first Marvel work. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my first Marvel work in print, but I am actually, um, if you check some of the MCU databases, um, I played, uh, I am briefly seen as a homeless man in uh, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Nice. Um, so anyway, Very nice. Uh, the, 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 those are my Mar Marvel credits at the moment. So Those are excellent. So let us bring in our guest. The great Melody Cooper. Howdy, howdy. Hey. How Thanks for joining us, Melody. Thank you. Thanks for doing uh, doing a show on this. Oh, sure. Well, it's it's very much at the top of our minds. Before we get started, tell the kids at home just a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a TV writer, a, uh, a film writer, a comic book writer, and also a playwright. And I uh, moved out to L.A. three years ago, and I've been working steadily and uh, until now that we're on strike. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you, you were on SVU in New York, right? Yeah, well, I was actually here. I moved out here to work on oh, um, okay. her show, Two Sentence Horror Stories uh, for right. CW, and then um, and did Law and & Order SVU. And, um, and I was co-producer on the second season of Power Book 4 Force, also known as The Tommy Show. Nice. nice. I was not aware of the uh, Power Cinematic Universe until I was uh, researching this episode. And I was like, wow, there have been four spinoffs of that show. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that's the top the top show for stars are all the yeah. power shows. It's like I had no idea that the universe was like so popular. And and I always love Joe Sakura because I think he's amazing. Mm -hmm. And um so it's fun to you know be able to get to know him and write for him, and uh, we're premiering September first finally. So yeah. and, and, and and stars is a good outfit to be in bed with. I mean we're we're we're, we're going to be spending uh, you know an hour or so here bad mouthing studios and and, <laughs> and, and and whatnot. So let's get a compliment in. Um, I have some experience with stars, uh, and um, what I'm seeing is where a lot of networks, a lot of studios, are moving towards. Um, you know, broad generalization and getting out of the, uh, um, you know, getting out of the art business, mm. uh, uh, the prestige business stars really seems to be moving uh, 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 towards that. And, and then also towards, um, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, marginalized voices and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and it's, it's really interesting, you know, um, I mean, there was this, uh, this, this sort of bloody Sunday that happened uh, where, where all of these shows got axed recently. Uh, HBO axed three shows that were already in production. Um, and, and, and it was this widespread panic. And the first thing that happened was stars moved in and picked up two of those shows. So mm -hmm. uh, good on you stars. Uh, um that, that, that may be the last are, time I compliment a studio or production company. <laughs> I, I feel like I should mention we are recording on the day that uh, Max, HBO Max becomes Max. 
Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of shedding uh, your, your your prestige skin, let's. By uh, the let, way, let, let, I cannot yeah. exp- I cannot uh, name my source, but someone finally explained to me why they were doing that, and I I still don't think it was smart. But now at least I understand why they did it, and here's why: they could not get a single child to watch HBO Max. They had a lot of children's programming. But to the parents that are changing the channel, HBO is boobs and rape and swords and murder and death and adults in suits screaming obscenities at each other. Interesting. So all of the kid stuff, cartoonitu, all of that was had zero, basically zero viewership because people were like, I'm not letting my kids watch HBO. That's the medieval rape station with the killer uh, mushroom. So we can't have that in my household. And so that, but the fact that they then chose Max, the second half of Cinemax, the much filthier alternative. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When I was growing up, it was, that's it, it was the funny yeah. part. Yeah, Cinemax, the funny so part <laughs> is that they went with, <laughs> let's drop the prestige <laughs> thing and hold on to the thing that's showing H- Andy Sedaris titty movies at four in the morning. That's that's the genius. Uh, I think they're just assuming that no one will associate Max yeah, with they, they won't remember that. But uh, <laughs> guys, Time uh, Warner Brothers Plus was just right there. Like it was right there for you to use. And, you know, like, uh, like what part of Paramount Plus and Disney Plus did you not figure out how this was all trending, yeah, you know, true. but somebody's feelings uh, got hurt, I guess. But they, anyway, they got cute. They got, yeah. They got cute. Anyway, I, <laughs> I would like not to put you on the spot, Melody, but I'd like as in as broad terms as you can, like what, what, why do we fight? What, what prompted <laughs> this strike? Um, You know, for me, it comes down to the thing I think are, uh, it, there are a lot of different points. Um, about the way in which the the rooms have been diminished in terms of weeks and the number of people and the amount of money that we make. And um, and there there are specifics around that that we're fighting for. But the major thing for me is that those who we make the product for, we make our content, our art, are making the lion's share of the money and not sharing with those who have made them wealthy. And and I think that that is actually why our writer's strike has really lit a fire across different unions mm-hmm. and why we have unions joining us from like, I, you know, hotel unions. The, the teachers are walking with us next week, I, hear, I heard at Warner. It's because it's the same fight and people are tired of it. You know, the, the multi-millions that each of the CEOs are making um, for, for doing not much compared to when you aggregate all the work that the writers and the directors and the actors are doing to create the, the shows that they're making millions off of, it, it just doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. everybody's fed up and it needs to change. Yeah. Well, well it's it, it, a, thing that, a thing that producers have done since basically time immemorial. Every time there's a revolution in technology, it becomes, oh, this is the new thing and we didn't, we're not gonna make any money on television. We're not going to make any money on cable. We're not going to make any money on VHS. Oh, did we say VHS? I meant Blu-ray. Oh, did I say Blu-ray? I meant streaming. It's okay. it's always experimental. And of course, they're making a trillion dollars on the experimental yeah. format. 
And uh, we're supposed to eat the costs rather than the guy who is buying a yacht for his yacht. Right. <laughs> you know? and, they'd be, and they'd still be, if they gave the 2% that we're asking for that would take care of all the riders for at mm -hmm. least three years, they'd still be filthy rich. Yeah. Well, and it's also that classic thing of the ultimate short-sightedness of like what all of the media company stock has dropped $10 billion since the strike started. That $10 billion covers everything the writers wanted right. nine, 10 and a half times over, like, you yeah. know, actually 20 times over. I think it's like half a billion dollars would cover all of it. Yeah. So it's the same. It's like when you see, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a company like Uber fighting, uh, you know, spending $20 million to fight having to give people who drive for Uber healthcare. It's like, or you could spend the $20 million giving them healthcare, man. Like, you know, it, it, it just, never works. It, it never makes sense. And then you, you try to figure out why exactly. And you realize they don't want to give an inch because they're afraid they'll have to give a mile. They think if we give this to the writers and down the road, they'll want more. And then we'll have to give it to the directors and the, everybody else and the actors. And they, they really are about holding on to profit and yeah. Um, and, and I really, I heard it described, well, it isn't, you know, we, we've been hearing it's the Wall Street of it, right? And, and it's the demands of Wall Street. Oh, the poor producers, you know, but, but really, they need to push back too. Yeah. Um, but that idea that it's about not just making profits, because they're making profits hand over fist, it's yeah. profit growth. And that yeah. model does not work for television and film to no. focus on making sure that you have huge profit growth year over year over year, because then you end up cutting the very things that are creating the profit. Right. This doesn't make sense. Well, it, it, I mean, what, what you're talking about, it comes down to literally a handful of people who are in charge, right? Who, who, whatever, let's say we sign a deal today. Well, then two quarters from now that shows up on, on the ledger and it shows up as, as a, as a step back. Right. And then right. they have to answer for that. Well, right. we, oh, why do we take this step back? Why do we, uh, uh, all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's interesting. I mean, we're, we're talking a little inside baseball right now, and I would like to maybe just lay it out a little bit for, you know, a lot of our listeners, comic book creators. Uh, we obviously have screenwriters, but we have a lot of uh, uh, aspiring uh, screenwriters, folks who are clawing their way up, and maybe they don't know all of the, the ins and outs of it. So, so maybe mm -hmm. we could, you know, take a step back a little bit. I mean, I think that, um, I think charting how, how, how this model has changed over time is, is, is pretty interesting. It'll probably um, inspire some interesting discussion from us. I mean, I, I, Avaloni, as you, um, as you uh, alluded to, um, there's always something new, right? And, and this has happened a number of times, but where it most uh, specifically happened, as you said, was with the, the arrival of home video, right? I mean, for, for years, film and, and the relationship between producers and writers was one way, and then home video shows up, right? And, and at that point, there was a negotiation happening. And the writers were like, hey, we need to get some of this home video money, right? And, and what the producer said was, hey, we don't know what this is yet. You know, it, it could be nothing. Um, you know, uh, so how can we make a deal based on something that we don't fully understand now? Let's you see this thing we have sitting over here. Let's sign this. And we promise that in a few years when we know what this home video thing is, we'll all come back to the table and we'll cut a fair deal. And writers being naive morons like we are, we're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Let's sign this. So a few years pass. Uh, home video goes absolutely berserk, right? 
Um, and the writers show up, knock on the door and say, hey, producers, remember how we were talking about we're going to come back to the table? Let's let's cut a fair deal on this. And the producers were like, what are you talking about? We we signed a deal. <laughs> Yeah. This is our deal. Um, it, it sort of refused to move off of that deal. And, and that continued into, into DVD and Blu-ray and all of these things. Um, and now with streaming uh, and now with uh, theaters going away, um, man, the, 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 the math could not be more different on these things. And just to illustrate that, um, the first movie I ever got paid to write in Hollywood, I, I, I think I signed a contract 15 or 16 years ago. Um, and I got paid a good amount to to write the actual movie, but all of my all of my bonuses, uh, uh, all of my uh, my my back end stuff was based on a percentage of U.S. theatrical uh, uh, revenue. Um, well, okay, uh, th that movie almost got made before the last strike, uh, or you know uh, the the 07, uh, uh strike. Um, it didn't because of the strike. Um, so it finally got made this last year. It is set to come out. Um, and in order to release the movie, they need me to sign a contract. Um, uh, a, a new company took it over. And and so, um, but I'm sitting here looking at the deal that they want me to sign. And it's the same deal. And all of my bonuses are based on U.S. theatrical, uh, 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 you know, uh, revenue. There is no U.S. theatrical revenue unless you're Top Gun or Marvel or or whatever, and even then, it's reduced. Yeah, they'll, even know, then they will find a way to make damn sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a prestige picture. Um, it's a Spanish director. the uh, The Spanish rights have already been sold to Netflix. There's a very good chance that this entire thing becomes a Netflix original, uh, um, depending on how the deal sways. And what that means is that when this premieres on Netflix, um, and it'll spend whatever. Two weeks in the theater uh, for the you know the the and you know here and here and here to qualify it for awards, um, but past that, uh, I get zero bonus. Where 15, 16 years ago, that probably would have been a six-figure sum for me. Yeah, that that, that 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 is a massive difference in 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 you know in in what the producers and what Hollywood is saying that my worth is and, 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 you know, when, when we came to the table, they're saying, well, yeah, it's worth this much money, you know, and meaning like, this is what I get paid to write it when it gets made. There's this other part of it. And now, you know, now they're saying, oh yeah, forget about this. <laughs> forget about half your, half your, your money. And, and they've chipped away at this uh, over and over mm -hmm. again. And Melody, you can speak more um, eloquently to exactly what's going on in TV and, and how rooms are shrinking and stuff like that. And we should really talk about that. What, what I want to talk about is how, I mean, because I, I, I am, I, you know, I, I, I have, I have created TV shows. I have sold TV shows. Uh, I have not been in the trenches as a, as a, a, a writer uh, there like you, most of my work has been in the film business. And what I have watched is we, we used to exclusively sign three-step deals. You would get paid for, to do your draft, to do your rewrite, to do your polish. And, um, and, and, you know, again, a lot of work, but those steps were guaranteed and, and, and that was a good living wage. Um, and what mm -hmm. I've seen over these 16 years is that get, that getting chipped away at, well, we're not going to pay him for a polish. It's going to be a two-step deal. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 that, and it was like that for a while. And now, and now they're all, there's this epidemic of one-step deals, um, where we're, 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 you know, we're, we're going to pay you, uh, uh, for, for, for one step on this, which means again, half your money out the window. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and, and and so that sucks enough. But what happens, and, and Melody, you can attest to this, is that there is also an epidemic, like producer's drafts, quote unquote, which means a writer uh, doing a polish, uh, doing a rewrite for free uh, to get things going. Th this yep. always happens. It Crazy. Always happens. Yeah, I just 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 let me get the point out it, it, yeah. and then you can it, it, is that it, it and I'm almost done here I know I've been going long but 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 here's the thing is that producers drafts are accepted you're, you're going to do them and, and a lot of times you're doing them for a very specific reason it's like if you don't do it they're going to bring another writer in to do it mm -hmm. uh and then that writer may may end up sharing credit with you um, uh, which means that half your back end money goes because, right. because you're, cause you're, cause it's shared credit. Uh, it may mean that that writer comes in, has no idea what he or she is doing and may fuck your shit up. Right. And, and your name's on it and you don't want that to happen. So you're mm. going to do the producer's draft, but doing the producer's draft was not a problem when you were, when you had already been paid for three drafts for three steps, right. when you're only going to pay for one step, that yeah. is problematic. Um, and so from, from a, uh, from a film standpoint, uh, this is how this is how stuff has been chipped away at, and um, and, and what they're doing. The, you 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 sort of compared this all to to Uber right off the bat, Avaloni, and it's totally apt. They are trying to turn writing into a gig economy. Yeah, uh, th that's what it is. So, 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 so Melody, uh, 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 take the baton now. Well, I mean, I have I, I write for for film as well. I actually wrote a um, a film for Netflix, and and it happens to and the producer was Brian Unkless who um, produced The Hunger Games and, and I, Tanya. And it's a feature adaptation of a best-selling book. And Netflix was all over it. You know, I pitched it. We got it. I, and my deal was great. It's, a, you know, it's a multi-step deal. Um, you know, they paid out. And now we don't know if they're going to make it or not. But at least I, as a writer, I got, I got paid. But I am so discouraged to have been hearing about these one-step deals. And, you know, especially for writers that are on the TV side that might want to supplement by working in film. I mean, that is like, for me, being in both on the TV side and the film side, that you can have a career that way. You can have, um, you can really sustain a career. But if you're shrinking down to um, what we're calling mini rooms, which means that instead of having 22 weeks like we had on Law & Order SVU, um, you're only doing eight to 10 weeks and you're banging out scripts. You have fewer writers in the room. You're getting paid less. Um, fewer writers are getting work and you have fewer weeks. And you're not, and also the other thing about mini rooms is that you're not getting the production experience that you need to move forward in your career to become a showrunner eventually or supervising producer because you're not you're not there to produce your episode. Yeah. You're not there to learn the steps along the way that that showrunners like Glenn Mazzara and Mike Schur and all the great showrunners, um, you know, brought on a number of junior writers so that they could learn the skills that they need to become um, basically to produce, which is what you do. Um, you're, you're overseeing the writing, but also you're producing. And there are a lot of different aspects of that in post. You learn when you get a chance to stay on in a whole season. So to take that away from writers and that, and then you're, even, even if you're in the mini room, it's so short. Now you're between rooms. You've got to make that last until you get into another room, hopefully. And then you've got a one-step deal out there for a film. If you get a film, it really cuts into what um, writers can make. And, you know, I've been on the lucky side because I've, you know, I've, I guess I came out here three years ago. Um, 
I ended up on an anthology and then Law and Order and then, uh, and then the star show and also had a film. So that's been good for me, but I know a lot of writer friends who haven't worked in a room, a full room in over a year yep. and haven't been able to, to crack into the, the film market. So it's, it's really hard for, um, especially for young writers who are just coming out here to be able to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and, and to know that they can, you know, have a family and have a career in, in Hollywood. And it used, from what I hear, like yesterday I walked at Warner and I walked with Larry Karzewski, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his right name, Karzewski. Karzewski. And um, he's the vice president of the um, Academy of Motion Pictures. And he also wrote Ed Wood and a lot of amazing, amazing TV and films. And so I'm walking with him for like 45 minutes and, and talking and, and he's been through three strikes and he has just seen it. Like you were talking about Ryland about the, you know, the, the progress of the, or the, the, you know, what we've seen happen over the years. He was in, I guess it was 1988, 2007 and now. And, um, and he is so damn frustrated because it's the same story. It's the, oh, you know, with AI now, it's, oh, we, we're we not quite sure what AI is going to be. So let's just talk about it a lot, but not really say what we might do with it or what you might be yeah. finding away. And um, it very much is already being used. Um, you know, certainly actors should be very frightened about AI because it's already, you know, background work is, is being eliminated. Yep. People seem to forget, by the way, that Lawrence, Sir Lawrence Olivier was dead when he was in Sky Captain. I mean, they, they found a way to CGI. I have, to give a, I have to give a shout out to comics legend Howard Chaikin, who was the first to formally invent this idea in his uh, groundbreaking comic book, um, American Flag, which I cannot recommend highly enough. When we meet the hero, Ruben Flagg, he is the star of a television show called Mark Sec Mark Plexus, Sexus Ranger, something like that. <laughs> and he has filmed one season and then been fired because they have digitized enough of him to make the rest of the show without him in a process that I'm embarrassed to say it took me over two decades to get this pun. Uh, Howard called it tromplography. A trompe-l'oeil in French is when you have oh, that thing yes. where you paint... Where yes. You paint a, a mural on the side of a wall that looks like yeah. it's the real world, but it's yeah. just a flat wall. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say Wiley Coyote is probably the leading Trump loyal mu muralist who has ever mm -hmm. lived. He, his work was spotless. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but like I said, literally, like me, that comic came out in the 80s. And I think maybe five years ago, I was in my car and went, Oh, Trump logographer. Oh, that's what that's. That's the pun Howard was making in 1982 or when 1983. Did, did, did you guys see? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, did you guys see the Justine Bateman uh, 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 Twitter thread? Mm -mm. Um, I, I, was not, I was picketing with her the other day. Mm -hmm. what, what yeah, well, yeah. Well, it, she is a smart woman, but she's um, she's on the SAG negotiating committee, um, and she also happens to have a degree in computer science, and so she yeah. can. Um, she can understand uh, uh, the intricacies of AI and how it applies to um, to the business, to acting better than you know your average uh, 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 actor, and certainly better than than we can. And she she posted this extremely thr frightening thread, um, just basically giving us a peek behind the curtain, being like, "Look, 
you know, I'm in all these rooms. This is what we're worried about. And she yeah. breaks it. She breaks it down to what AI could mean to to an actor and and just um, devaluing an actor where it's like, OK, well, um, well, we don't you know, we don't need you to show up on set anymore. We don't need you to perform. We're going to pay you a tiny licensing fee. Yeah. Um, uh, to use your likeness. And then we're going to run off and just kind of create what we're going to create. Um, you have no control over it. You're not actually performing. You're not doing any of these things. The good news is uh, you can license your your likeness to uh, 10 films at a time instead of, you yeah. know, doing one a year. Uh, um, you know, the bad news is, uh, you know, this is all devalued and none yeah. of it matters. And, uh, and why mm -hmm. use you instead of this long dead person that we can get for cheaper and all yeah. of these things. Um, and of course she said it much more eloquently and, 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 mm -hmm. and, you know, with much more zeal than I'm doing. Um, but what it gets down to and melody, it, it was the point I made and the point you, you uh, uh, made um, is that this is an existential fight for all of us. Um, uh, we are all being marginalized in this business. Now our, our, our roles in producing great art and, and it's really, um, you know, it's not just us. the The value of the art itself is being mm -hmm. is being devalued, and and it's it, it you know it is now you know mindless spit. I mean, what, what they're almost striving for is mindless spit out garbage entertainment. I mean, one of the really frightening things I heard is that you know, and 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 studio heads and and technology you know wonks sort of pitching this like it's a great idea. It's like imagine you're in front of your TV, and you yes. don't have you know you don't have to. Um, you don't have to search through and figure out what you want to watch. Like, ah, do I want to watch an action movie? Do I want to watch this movie about chickens that I hear is funny? You know, I really would like to watch something with Tom Cruise. It's like, what if you could tell your TV, I want to watch an action movie with Tom Cruise that has chickens in it and, and that takes place on a yacht in San Francisco Bay. And then, you're, and then the AI in your TV creates the movie and plays it for you. And Tom Cruise gets a fifty cent check, and uh, and we take all the other money. Um, yeah. Like yeah. pitching this, like it's this utopian, you know, it's the holodeck come to life. It's right. like fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah. it's it's and, and the other, and I also heard pitched with that is that you can also digitize yourself, and you can be in the movie. And, yeah. and it's like, yeah, no, mm -hmm. the, I think that I think the only the only protection that we have really is togetherness and, yeah. and to a degree, public opinion. Uh, I think that what you're going to start see happening is you might get movie stars and directors to say, I won't do it and I won't participate in it. Right. I will not, if you're going to do that, it's not going to have the name of a DGA director on it. If you're going to do that, you know, I mean, and I, there's a certain, the the fuzzy area is like I'm sure James Earl Jones was paid very well for every sound he's ever made into a microphone for Lucasfilm so right. that he can be Darth Vader 50 years after he's dead. Like they to a certain extent, it's a character in a mask. It's mostly mm -hmm. voice that doesn't offend me quite as much as you could have just found some young guy that looks a little bit like Mark Hamill to play Luke Skywalker on The Mandalorian. Like, I, I don't know that I needed not just de-aged Mark, but also apparently his dialogue was constructed from old sound takes. Yeah. Because he doesn't sound like he did when he was 23 anymore. Go go figure, you know. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the, I, I think the only way, you know, I think the only way through is if we all kind of say no. 
Um, yeah, though, though we have to we have to be careful though because there's no and then there's no with guardrails because yeah. the genie's out of the bottle and technology. I mean, luddites exist, and and you know, luddites came about because you know the actual first luddites were were people who were destroying. Uh, machinery and cotton mills because they said that machinery was going to take away their jobs. Right. So, and, and, and they did those, that machinery did take away their jobs. So they, but we know that there have been advances because of that machinery. So for yeah. me, it's, it's, you know, I, I write science fiction. I read it. A lot of these ideas were in science fiction a long time ago and the warnings um, in, in books and short stories in particular. And, it's, it's a matter of who gets to use the technology and yep. how and what parameters we put around it, because there might be positives to the, sure. you know, to the technology. For instance, in the, in, in the medical industry, uh, in medicine, AI is already being able to pull from a huge database of information to find patterns that are helping people mm -hmm. be healthier. That's yeah. a good thing. We want yeah. that. We don't want to get rid oh, yeah. of AI. You know, but and we don't want but we want to be able to use it in a way that doesn't completely commoditize the art form and make it all about they chop it up into these bits that that the artist doesn't have control of and yeah. i think that's that's for me the yeah it, 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 and it is scary i mean what what these things can do right now is is downright terrifying i mean yeah. i i have i have i've heard people talk about it you know i mean you 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 talk about a um you know you talk about tv writing and and you know there was a writer for the atlantic who, who went to chat GTP and he said, basically, you know, give me an episode, give me an outline for an episode of Chicago fire where this happens. And there is this, this, this general love story thing. And, you know, like, like the, the bare, most bare bones parameters and he input it. And in a couple of minutes, it spit him out a full television beat sheet. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and this, the scariest thing was that according to this guy, I didn't read the beat sheet, so I can't comment on it, was that, you know, it, it, it was a B plus outline. Like you, you needed someone, you needed someone yeah. to come in and clean it up. I mean, yeah. but, but, but here's the thing. It's a procedural, right? These things follow right. a formula yeah, that is right. easily understood. Exactly. This isn't, this isn't high art. This isn't right. Scorsese, Paul Thomas Anderson, right. uh, you know, w w whatever. Um, but, but, but this is the way the studios are thinking is that, you mm. know, again, like, like talk about just, just, just chip, chipping away at, at what we make, what they want to do is they want, you know, I mean, it's going to start with one moron in a room sitting, yes. sitting over these computers and pretty soon they're not going to need the moron anymore, but somebody can, somebody can input these things. They can do an entire season of a Chicago fire. Right. And yeah. then, yeah, and then Melody, they'll, they'll, they'll hire you and I to come in at the 11th hour yeah. Um, and 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 we will and we will take these things from a B plus exactly to to an A minus for a hundred bucks a pop, and uh, and and that is the world that they want, right? Yeah, um, that's and, absolutely why. Yeah, it's canned robotic nonsense, but yeah. And I'm plugging in my my laptop. <laughs> my <laughs> no worries. Technology. Yeah, 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 but I, I mean, I, I am interested in, in Melody's contention again. It's like, um, you know, technology is going in a certain, in a certain direction, right? And so, yeah. it is absurd to say no AI ever, and it's never going to be used. And it, sure. you know, this stuff is going to be used. It is a matter of how it's used because, yeah. because here's the thing: is that it, 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 it can be a tool in our, our you know, uh, in our toolbox right now. I mean, it's like I, I don't want it to write my movie, but you know, let's say I'm, I'm writing a movie and I'm, I'm stuck on something, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I just had a, 
a guy ran out onto a, a rooftop and he's got guys coming up the stairwell and he's looking down and it's a hundred story drop. And I don't know how to write my way out of this. I can go to chat GTP and I can say, Hey, what, what are five things that could happen here? And it might yeah. spit out nonsense. Right. Uh, I might be like, you know what? I kind of like number four. What if I let me twist and turn and completely remake mm-hmm. this and, and then it becomes mine. And, 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 and it's all based on, the work I input into it first and it's trying to do it, you know, in right. my style to a certain degree. I mean, there, there, there is a world where this could be a tool that we use that is important and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I think we ignore that fact at our own peril. It's not, I don't think it's very politically right. correct right now to say what I'm saying. Right. Um, and, and, and it, you know, and if, if somebody wants to come in and just sort of cut this little section out and, uh, well, the thing is, there has been software that does that for a really long time. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but there's like a, there is some software that got fed like every Sid Field paradigm. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, I don't think it's helped us that for 70 years, people have been writing books saying it's a formula. Yeah. Plug in your things to yeah, the hero's journey and it's all going to be great. Thank yeah. you. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I but love Joseph also- Campbell, but holy shit, did he fuck up a lot of mediocre writers uh, forever, yeah. you know? Well, I'm tired, tired of the refusal of the call. I, yeah. I, I never want to see a refusal well, of the call again. I'm sorry. Yeah. Also, I was going to say the, 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 the writer's room, the actual room, I can tell you it's, it's, it's like this, it's like this creative galaxy of ideas that swirls around mm-hmm. all and bounces off all these different people. And you can't, uh, chat GPT, you know, AI can't can't replicate that. I just don't think it can. I mean, we, we would like you go down the hallway towards lunch, and all of a sudden you're talking to someone, getting into the elevator, and an idea sparks. Or yeah. in the ladies' room, we came up with a solution for one of yeah, the. Yeah, that's. The, I mean, I, that's that's the thing about using it as a tool. I mean, if people want to do it's it's. I I wish I could remember what the thing was called. It wasn't Grammarly, but there was like a story building tool and i just when it came out i was like but i like having to take a shower or walk around the block when i get yeah i you know if i get stuck writing a scene in an action movie i'll take a break and watch thunderball or something you know like i i i there are other ways and again like if you want to use whatever tools you want to use god bless you and that includes Mm -hmm. robert mckee and sid field but it's like but there are a lot of us who are like, I don't want to use any tools except coffee. Well, there's yeah, a, and you know, and nice. maybe the imagination of collaborators if I'm working with collaborators. But that's the and as an aside, and I, you know, this may be an imperfect metaphor, but I've been thinking a lot about autotune. Mm. Autotune allowed some incredibly mediocre people to be who cannot sing to be superstars. But what it did not do was create um, no market for people who can actually sing. No. You know what I mean? I don't know that I won't name any names. Blank becoming a superstar with a reedy thin voice because that could be fixed with a filter. I don't right. think there's some singer somewhere that got put out of work by that. You know what I mean? I don't, it's yeah. not a zero sum game so much. Right. Uh, it, well, it depends on how they use it because if they're yeah. using it like, like, you know, Rylan is saying you you use it to let's say create your outline in your first draft. You're cutting out a whole room of people 
Yeah. And then you're just bringing one writer in, maybe two if you have two, you know, yeah. you have two drafts going through. Usually just, you know, I heard a showrunner talking about it the other day. He says what they want to do is they want to run the showrunner into the ground, yes. reduce the number of writers who are even helping me break the season and break the show, pump all that into the outlines being put out by AI, and then... Uh, and then the showrunner has to write, they'll have a basic draft and the showrunner has to go through every single one of those. And is his pay is getting amortized over the time that he's doing that. So oh, yeah. he's really not making as much money and we're getting, and he's producing mediocre work because how could he do his best on exactly. his own, all yeah. that work. So it real it is eliminating people from the quotient, you know. From yeah. The, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 people and time. I mean, I think, Avalon, are you talking about having to go for a walk to figure it out? is 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 always true and it's true like in a micro sense and then the macro sense it's like there have been i literally the the script that broke me i wrote this script uh called drive that that won the final draft contest and got me signed at caa and 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 and, and launched me um i wrote that script in five days right mm -hmm. um and and it was the first real script i had written i had written shorts and stuff like that but that was the one that launched me and it set an unfair precedent where, where, where the next time I, I I stepped to the plate, if I didn't finish my script in five days, <laughs> then then it, then it was a loss. But 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 so I say this just by way of saying that, you know, again, sometimes it takes a month, sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes five years, right? Mm -hmm. And and if it takes five years or even you know three years or whatever. I kicked the hell out of myself doing it. Why is this taking so long? Why? Oh man, this sucks. I can't believe I'm so bad. I'm terrible at this. Blah, 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 blah. But at some point I get to the end and I look at a finished script that if I spent that much time doing it at that point, I'm in love with it. Right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a good piece of fucking art. Like mm -hmm. I am saying something with this. And, and I realize right there on uh you know on on the last day of year five when this thing is done that this took exactly as long as it needed to take right and it is only good because i put five years of blood sweat and tears and heart and soul into it that i that i spent five years living with these characters and getting to know them back you know backwards and forwards and what you end up with at the end of that journey is is much different than you putting your first brain farts into a computer algorithm and it's spitting something out in two minutes, right? It, it, it is just not remotely comparable. You know, it is, uh, uh, it is night and fucking day. It is, um, you know, it's, it's garbage versus oh, succession. You know, the, the you, thing, the thing that makes anything work, you know, William Goldman, nobody knows anything. Everybody tries to take apart why a thing worked. They never know. Mm -hmm. and it fails and they go well okay i guess the i guess the secret wasn't a crawl failed i can't i don't understand star wars was a big hit well crawl wasn't star wars dude sorry uh you you know you tried you tried to star wars it up with some uh sea level talent and you didn't get a great movie out of it that made a zillion dollars and uh the mystery of that is also i think again not trying to be overly optimistic but like I think they're going to have a hard time weaponizing these tools. Doesn't mean they're not going to try. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to put in that. There's not going to be a very dark time. If we don't win this strike, I, I believe we are going to win this strike, mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. It, 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 it is a final 5% thing. I think that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Crawl can be 95% star Wars, but it's that final 5%. 
that that is really the difference between good and bad and awful and great and soulful and mm -hmm. and and engaging and all of these things and that's what the ai can't do what what we can do if we're good at what we do if we spend enough time getting good at what we do is we can come in and we can handle the the final 5%. I guess what I'm worried about, maybe I just talked them into it, is that they think that maybe ChatGTP can take us 95% of the way and that all they have to do is pay us to do the 5%. Yep. Or that, or the or the or you could do the well, first of all, I, I, AI is is getting better yeah. all the time. So sure, in a month, yeah. in a year, in 5 years, it'll that's the other reason why we got to be careful. But it could be also as as you're talking, I was thinking it could be used on the on the flip side where you have the writer do all that wonderful work and then you know, we don't like, we, we need to change that scene. We need to make it more, yeah. we need to take the women out. We need to take, we, so yeah. we'll just, we'll just put those scenes through chat GPT. The writer's yeah. given us everything that we really need. And then all of a sudden, all that work that you were talking about that you put in to make sure that everything just flows and characters connect will just be blown up. Yeah. And yeah. To, to someone who's just about the bottom line, Sure. And make Wall Street happy, and they want to end. They want to enter. Let's make sure we have a product in the scene. You know, that's that works for them. They don't care about the art of it, and yeah. I worry about that too. But Look, that I, part, I, that I, part's been done by human beings since the 1930s, right? Like the right. part of like this is a work of art. Let us destroy it and make it, you know, <laughs> lame and weak and 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 not you know, reflective of reality and all like mm -hmm. the middle management class of Hollywood has been doing that since we invented development executives. So it's, and I, yeah. you know, I have known very talented development executives in my life, but there's a lot mm -hmm. of, there's a lot of Ivy league MBAs out there who I wish they were in the tech field. Right. And I, now I, they I, want tech to help them do that. I mean, yeah. now they're like, Hey, we do this already. It can make yeah. our job easier. <laughs> They're, they're turning it into a tech business. That's what they're doing. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, if I, 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 I like this because if I have one talent in the film business, uh, it is uh, talking people out of bad notes, right? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't claim to have a monopoly on the truth, um, but I don't turn in a script unless I think it is fucking humming. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to say that there, there aren't going to be things that need to change or be improved or anything like that, but we all know <laughs> that you get a lot of shitty notes and mm -hmm. I happen to be very good at talking people out of those shitty notes. And, you know, even, um, I mean, this, uh, this, this movie that just got made, you know, I flew to Greece and we're doing the final pass on the script with, you know, this great fucking director, but you know, directors, they get in the space and they're like, Oh, what if we did this? And, yeah. and, 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 and I feel the need to protect the material and I stick my head in there and I won, you know, 90 to 95% of those arguments. And the mm -hmm. ones, the ones that I didn't win, it's because I realized in the exchange, Oh, I'm wrong about this. Let's, let's, let's embrace this. Let's, let's run with it. Let, let, you know, let's embrace the idea. Um, the chat GTP thing, it removes that filter to a certain yes. degree. Like, like, you know, uh, I mean, producers think producers do think they have a monopoly on the truth. And so, and so there will not be the filter of you to eliminate those shitty notes. What they will just do mm -hmm. is take the great script that you've written input it in a chat GTP, pour all their garbage notes into it, and then it'll just go, right? And and and, and no mm -hmm. filter, no conversation. Sometimes, uh, I, the biggest thing with me is that sometimes you'll get a note and it's not the real note. 
and 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 we've talked about this on the program before you have to look yeah. for the note behind the note is that mm -hmm. is that these people are not complete morons they've read the script something is bumping for them yes. the middle of act two there's a mm -hmm. problem here and they and their note is well i think it's this and i think this needs we need to cut this and put this in and that's wrong mm -hmm. uh and it'd be very easy to be like well that's moronic fuck that uh what you need to learn to do as a writer is be like okay well that's not the thing but they identified there, there's a bump here that we need to smooth out so what if, what if the problem is actually this and what if we yeah. do this instead mm -hmm. and you and you hash that out with the producer and they're like oh yeah that that would work that's great there is no bump there anymore and you hash that out it, it's you know I, I have a friend i was talking about ai with a with a friend over the weekend who um uh he produces uh like high high class car commercials he does big bmw ads right um and uh and they wrote a treatment for the next big BMW thing that they're doing and they have to send it to BMW. They have to send it to an advertising agency. They have to send it to his boss. They have to do all these things. And so they get four sets of notes that, that, that come in. Right. And it's conflicting. It's different. It's blah, 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 blah. Um, rather than sitting down and writing it, they took the treatment and then put it into chat GTP. They took these, different and sort of disparate sets of notes and inputted them into chat GTP and they said, fix it. And chat GTP just poured all of these notes <laughs> from all of these different minds mm -hmm. into this outline and spit out a new outline, um, uh, which yeah. was, was not great, uh, uh, you know, according to him, but it went out to everybody and everybody goes in and they see their notes incorporated one way or another. And they're like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Uh, yeah. and, and it's a fucking catastrophe. It's a dumpster yeah. fire. Well, but that's, and, and I think that's the other thing that is the question mark here is again, I don't want to see this stuff implemented in the way that we're talking about, but if it does get implemented in the way we're talking about, mm. What if those movies, if those movies are blockbusters, we are well and truly screwed. If they're crawl, yeah. the studios may very well go, well, let's try that again, <laughs> you know, as they so often do when something fails. But mm -hmm. uh, they also may be less high on the tool when the tool fails them over and over and over again. But I think it's inevitable. I do think, uh, you know, and I hate to be dismissive, but I... I have a feeling you could feed four John Wick movies into chat GDP and get a fifth John Wick movie that would make a billion dollars regardless of the quality of it as, at all, as long as Keanu's in it, you know. Right, but you're not going to get you're not going to get Goodfellas, you know. You're not going to get no, it's never. not going to be able to create yeah. all of that. And even and on the TV side, what's really concerning too is like I got, I just sold a show to Netflix before the strike, um, and so. The idea that I that someone could be a showrunner who's doing this on their own is terrifying because one of the important things, God bless you, one Thank of the you. things about television is on the production side, things just kind of get thrown in the air when you're on set. All of a sudden, the actor says, you know, if I just change this line and the director turns to whatever, whoever's covering set, who hopefully, you know, there's supposed to be someone covering set. A lot of times, some, sometimes a showrunner isn't there, the number two can't be there, who's there? Right. Um, and they wanna change a line that, you know, I, I wanna say that I, I'm going to this person's 
you know, this person's house and I'm going to, let's just change the name. Well, it turns out that character was killed off or is going to be killed off or something mm -hmm. happened in the previous episode that doesn't connect. No. And it just screws with everything that you've set up when you broke the entire season. The actor doesn't know that. The actor hasn't seen no. the whole season. Yeah. Um, the director, certainly, who's jobbed in, doesn't know. Yeah. So when you have creatives <laughs> even, kind of putting in their notes or an exec or even executive producer who's sitting on set with you who says, you know, why don't we just you know, sh shift that scene? The writer is the keeper of that. The writer is the one who says, no, we've got to protect this thing we've created. We've yeah. got to keep the, the the boat steering forward. And I'm afraid you're going to start seeing these seasons where like audiences are like, wait, that character was dead in the last episode. <laughs> or well, what you're, what you're going to get as a, as a former film editor, what you're going to get is guys like the guy I used to be going, okay, well, can we CGI a new head on that guy so it's not the friggin' dead guy? Uh, can we CGI right. the location out right. so that it looks like something else? Can we mm -hmm. recut this so that it happens before he friggin' dies? Like, you know, you end up with catch <laughs> this, you know, this this endless number of... And, you know, there's... For some reason, I keep hearing the example of we shouldn't... Uh, we shouldn't have mandatory room size because but everyone is saying because mike white well you know what i think mike white could stand to listen to six other people about the, his scripts me personally mm -hmm. pay him pay him the same amount you know but it's not the mm -hmm. worst thing in the world for a dude like that to hear what other people think about the thing that he has created it is right. i mean look if yeah. aaron sorkin could stare at 12 people for five years yeah. that he was paying and rewriting and putting his name on everything they wrote. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike can put up with that too. Uh, yeah, I, and I think there's, there's, I think there are some exceptions to that. Only, and I say this only because I, I was in the HBO writing program and one of our mentors was Craig Mazin, who I love. And I think if it's a limited series, if it's something that's, that's, that's like an extended film, there are some rare people that yeah. can get away with writing like he wrote Chernobyl. But, you know, even he knew that, you know, he wanted to work with another writer on The Last of Us, right? Another creative and mm -hmm. not just handle that himself. Um, but I, I, from, I think that's a very rare person that can pull that off. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it, and I would be interested to see what happens for next season for Last of Us, because I think yeah. that it, it'll be hard to pull off with just even just two people. But yes. yeah, but that what I'm saying is I while I agree that those people exist none of them is damaged by having right. five pe five people around to say what if just hear me out yes uh, you know like you know the example went because there's this there is this trope in fandom uh and i blame andrew saras even though he didn't really mean it the way it's been taken um this trope of the lone genius and mm -hmm. my counterpoint is always that four people wrote Fellini's eight and a half and one guy wrote the Phantom Menace. Mm. And it wouldn't have hurt if Federico, if Federico <laughs> Fellini thinks that he needs three guys to kick ideas around with, you do too. I don't care who you are. It won't hurt you to right. have some other people, maybe with different perspectives. Right, right, right. And, and again, if you're Craig Mazin or Mike White, you can just say, no thanks. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting exactly. point. Not going to use it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. And again, you know, I'm a writer that writes alone and doesn't have a lot of collaborators, but I also, mm -hmm. I've made feature films. I know how many moving parts there on it are on a TV show. It's good to yeah. hear from people. You have you know, to, you really do. I want to, I, I have a, a showrunner's Bible that I keep from taking notes from all the great showrunners I work with Warren Light and um, Gary Lennon and mm -hmm. Joel Thompson and, and these, these great people who, um, and Glenn Mazzaro is a friend and I keep extensive notes about the kind of room I want to run and what I want to do. And having, I have a list, like a whole section that's just all these writers that I want to bring into a room, that I want to bounce, bounce ideas right. off of, because mm -hmm. I know that I'm not gonna, you don't do it by yourself. You can't, you shouldn't actually, is what it, you're saying. It, well, it, 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 it is such a huge canvas to paint mm -hmm. a, a, yeah. a TV show. If you're talking about an hour or two, you know, then then yeah, you know, you, you, you can manage it on your own when you're talking yeah. about 10, 12, 13, 26 hours. Uh, of TV, the idea of tackling that, uh, uh, you know, on your own is pretty um, absurd. You know? And if you're doing it right, you're listening to the actors, you're listening to the costume designer, you're listening to the production designer, you're listening mm -hmm. to the DP, you're listening to the producer, you're listening to a PA if they have a good idea. A friend of mine, actually an ex-girlfriend of mine, and I have no reason not to believe her, was a PA on Hill Street Blues. And when Michael Conrad, who was one of the lead actors, died... Mm. Bochco got everyone who worked on the show together in a room and said, Michael has suddenly died. How should he die in the show? And my ex-girlfriend, the PA said, he should die having sex with Grace. I think that would be really funny. And Bochco went, fantastic. He's dying having sex with Grace. Everybody back to work. <laughs> and, you know, but the PA had the number one idea and Bochco wasn't like... I'm not listening to you. You make $50 a day. Right. He was like, no, that's the best idea. That The best idea wins. That's what yeah. I'm putting in the script. And you're a fool if you don't use that kind of input. input. Yeah, and there's another, there's a deeper, another uh, complex aspect to this is that if you're one person, you can't possibly have the perspective of a woman or a poor yeah. guy from Appalachia, or yeah. a black woman who's just lost a child in hospital. All these different yeah. perspectives of what you need in the room to bring authenticity yeah. and to bring variety and to bring deep, interesting, different kinds of, you know, different kinds of stories. Yeah. So a limit, the more that we shrink down oh, yeah. the rooms, the less perspectives we're bringing to the table and, and the less authenticity, I, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I think that, a, you know, a smart writer working hard can do a lot of research and learn a lot about other perspectives, but you don't have time for that when you're writing a TV show. When you introduce a guest character who has an experience completely outside of your realm of, you can mm -hmm. take a week and, and, and learn about that. Or hopefully you've got someone you can bring into the room or already in the room who can who can tell you what that's like and give you that perspective. Yeah, th th there are these seismic changes that happen inside with you know and 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 race and gender are 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 are, are the are the ultimate examples of that. Um, mm -hmm. But there are even these micro examples. I mean, uh, um, I I sold the movie right before the strike. And, you know, it's a it's an action thriller, uh, you know, guys, uh, uh, guys, kid gets taken. Uh, he's he's not he's not this badass. He's a, a college professor and he has to figure out how to get the kid back. He's going to do anything and everything he can to get the kid back. Um, not a tough guy, not an action hero, not not any of these things. 
Um, but we brought this director on, very experienced director, amazing shooter, uh, but he wasn't he wasn't a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 just the things that he could not wrap his mind around because he had never had a child. I mean, it was, and it was, you know, again, this was in, you know, I mean, we have parents in anything that we write, but this was really about being a parent and having that stolen from you and fighting Mm -hmm. for it. And and it was the principal thing. And it was just like, this guy cannot wrap his mind around that, you know? And, um, and, and the idea that if we were, you know, let's say we were doing this as a a 10 episode Netflix show and the idea that you would do that and not have it, you know, not have five, six, 10 parents in the room, (laughs) Being like, oh well, it, there was this one time with my kid, and blah blah blah. And this one yeah. time, this one time, I thought I lost my daughter in, in Target, and and this is what I felt, and and all these things. They're just, they're just things that you cannot possibly oh. comprehend, understand, wrap your mind around. Um, and and we are people who get paid to invent, and yeah. oh. and, and we do not have the software yet to invent those things. When right. I became a parent six, six years ago, my 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 entire wiring changed. Yeah. Um, and, and I understood this half of life that I, I already thought I understood it. I, I realized though, holy shit, I don't know anything. Uh, and, and I'm still trying to pick up the pieces after that. But, um, but, and, and, and so that is just simply with parenting, but I think that it, it it's, it's certainly, uh, it, it's certainly bigger and badder when it comes to gender and race and just where you grew up and what time you grew up in and who your siblings were and who your friends were and all of these mm-hmm. things. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're leaving a lot on the table if you do yeah. not, if yeah, you not everybody in, to it. And that happened in my first show, Two Sentence Horror Stories. We had a room, mostly women, because it was women kind of focused stories. We had two Latinas. We had an LGBTQ plus writer. We had Asian, Black, and um, I was the only parent. And we had one episode that was totally about a mother and child. And I remember once that we had network notes and they came literally came running down the hall to get me to get on the network call because no one could answer the questions about what a mother would do in that situation or what was the questions that the network had. No one in the writer's room had the experience except for me. So, you know, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's and it's it's a good it's a good thing. It adds to the risk of our stories right i always i always say and a lot of times you know this i've really made this observation from something in my own writing it was a really small thing i had written a three-line part in something it was a doctor walks into a room and it was a middle-aged white guy and i was looking back over the script and i went why is this is a middle-aged white guy because i'm a middle-aged white guy and i just like i made it as some like I haven't had a doctor who was a middle-aged white guy in 30 years, me personally. (laughs) So like, why would I write that? You know, it's, Mm. I I always bring up when, when there were the accusations of uh, Lucas being a racist for the, the Caribbean Patois of Ahmed Best in Phantom Menace. I was like, so it didn't bother you the Jawas and Mm. the sand people being the Middle Eastern (laughs) residents. He literally (laughs) only changed one letter in the word Jew. Like mm. that's pretty wild, mm. and but to me it's like I don't think George Lucas is an anti-Semite or hates Arabs. I think he's lazy as hell. Mm. And writing about a desert planet, he went, eh, Jews and Arabs. Let me figure out a way to make those into characters, and that doesn't redeem it. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's like what helps you not mm. be lazy 
is looking around a room of people that aren't you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen that come to life when I was at AFI and I was, you know, whatever, 22 years old, I'm at AFI and and I'm, I'm still a kid and still an idiot and I'm still an idiot to a certain degree, but I'm a lot less of an idiot than I was back then. But you write a script at AFI and you're, and I, I was in the directing program and I'm, I'm getting ready to direct a movie and, you know, you, you, you write a script and you have these 10 characters and you just assume a certain way. And, and, and like you're saying, Avalonius, you, you process it most of them are you right uh, one way or another um they're all you know it's a bunch of 22 year old white guys in the script um but what they made us do was we had to go down to we could only use um the afi has uh the sag conservatory there so it is a it's a, a teaching program where sag actors can come in get uh, uh you know take classes workshops the whole nine yards it's great for actors um but we have to cast exclusively out of the sag uh conservatory and so you go in there and they hand you binders full of books and it's just actor pictures, right? And you start flipping through and you're talking about getting in a room with people who aren't like you. Um, just, just the simple fact of flipping through and just seeing faces, right? Mm -hmm. um, and just be like, oh my God, th this guy is magnetic. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I know I was thinking 22 year old white guy, but this this yeah. 60 year old black man is is fucking magnetic. And, and I can see how... How, yeah, uh, you know, um, it, 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 and you're going through and it's just, it's people from everywhere and everything. And it, it just, um, it's like a lightning bolt. It, it, it changes you immediately. And so you can write in a bubble uh, and, 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 and you're writing based on these five factors. You go out into the world um, or you sit in a room <laughs> with, a, with the pictures of a thousand different people. And suddenly you're, you're, you know, you're dealing from a, a thousand card deck. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just want to say that's, a, that's another problem with chat GPT and AI is that it, because it doesn't have that experience, it has what's, it's, what it's been, what it's scraping and what it, what we input. And that's what it's pulling from. And unfortunately in our world right now, a lot of that is biased. And so AI bias and AI discrimination, uh, AI generative um, biases is a huge thing. There's a documentary called Coded Bias, which everybody should see that kind of like lays it out. Um, and I, um, I used, uh, when Midjourney uh I used it for, I had a pitch. And so I was putting together images and there's science fiction. So I needed something I couldn't pull um, normally. So I went to mid journey and I created this really amazing image. And then within a week, I learned that artists were protesting because against, without their permission, um, AI was, was grab, grabbing their artwork and using it to create the kind of images that I was using. Mm -hmm. um, and when I went on and I tried to create an image, the, the character is uh, happens to be a, a black woman scientist. And I tried, if I input, you know, beautiful woman, all the images that came up were white. Yeah. If I, any any kind of woman or man or child that I input, it, it wouldn't bring up Asian, it wouldn't bring up black. And so there are these, these defaults and biases that is going to be inherent to chat GPT and inherent mm -hmm. to AI that also adds a, a whole other layer of, of um, you know, problematic layer. Yeah. 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 A layer of crap, let's say. A yeah. layer of crappy, crappity crap crap. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's the, that, that's the thing about it. And that, again, that's why I, I, I don't have much interest in it as a tool is because it, I have not been, I am not convinced it's not built on, plagiarism 
and we look, we all like watch and love that. We all start out imitating our favorite movie and our favorite TV show and our favorite book and all of that, but we process it and we make it different and we make it ours. And if you're not interested in making it ours, what do you, yours, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, when people are like, Oh, well, this will take out some of the legwork. I'm like, the legwork is the job. Like, when we moved from typewriters to computers, all of the annoying stuff about writing on it, all of the stuff that made writing hard essentially went away. Mm-hmm. All the stuff mm-hmm. that was unnecessary, white out on a piece of paper and <laughs> having to retype on a chunky piece of drying white chemicals. What is that? that? Yeah, that's very old. I'm very old. But, you know, the minute it was cut and paste and uh, all of that, that was it. That was the end of the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Now anyone can do now anyone can do it without it being this Victorian nightmare of making a a, a good looking physical document on paper. And uh, I don't want more help than that. <laughs> like that's I I have enough help. It's it's fine. And mm-hmm. and I I get why some people think, well, this is a productivity tool. I won't waste time writing treatments. I won't waste time working out pitches. And it's like. I like that part. I just thought, aren't you afraid that this is going to really just really upend comic books? I mean, oh yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, in terms of story, from everything, story to to art. I mean, wh- oh, yeah. why do they need? Why do they need us anymore? Yeah, no, I, I that's and especially they think they don't. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, no, and especially <laughs> especially the big two. It's like, yeah, there are definitely enough Batman images in the world that you never need someone to draw Batman ever again. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, yeah I, I mean, here's the thing: is is, is and, and this is my primary worry with all of this is like, I, you know, I, I mean, as as we said before, this is an existential thing. I mean, what we are facing is like an extinction, a complete marginalization of the profession. Uh, there, there, there is that. Um, I am worried about. It's not just existential for us; it is existential for art in general, for original ideas. Now, I, I, I mean, you know, since here's the thing: I came up in the Sundance movement. I've been through this on the show before. I'll try to get through it quickly. Uh, but it was a, it was a, a, a buffet of original ideas being celebrated, and new voices being embraced, and. Uh, mm. And, and, um, and it was just wonderful. And that was how I fell in love with movies and storytelling. And I, I saw Pulp Fiction and I said, I want to do that. I want to do my version of that, but I want to do that. Um, and then I've seen, you know, in a, you know, a hundred movies since then that, that gave me the same feeling. Um, but by the time I went to AF, I went to AFI, I got my snooty uh, director's education. You know, that was where David Lynch went and he told those kind of uh, 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 stories. That's where Darren Aronofsky went and he told those kind of stories and, and a million other amazing, you know, uh, uh, d- directors um, and, and cinematographers and editors and the whole nine yards. Um, and I got my education, but by the time I got into the workforce, um, Hollywood had stopped making those movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you know, Hollywood said, uh, we're not really interested in original ideas anymore. Um, mm-hmm. we're only interested in IP and, and everything has to be, uh, to, to, to be based on something. It has to have been a book first, uh, a video game, um, uh, you know, a comic book, whatever. Um, 
And, uh, and I, I have a few lean years, but finally I, I'm like, oh, well, if they want IP, let me give them IP. And I have to start tricking Hollywood into buying my original ideas. I have to turn them into short stories. Uh, I, 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 I took an idea that, that, that I would have wrote, wrote as a screenplay first, uh, but I know I can't in a million years sell it in that climate. So I'm going to turn it into a short story. Yeah. I'm going to get that published. And then overnight I have a bidding war. And, mm -hmm. and end up with a big sale to Justin Lin right, uh, right after Fast Six, the best time to be in business with him. Um, <laughs> and, and that became my business model for like the next 10 years. Write it as a short story, sell it, uh, get, get paid to write the movie. Um, uh, started doing it with comic books, the whole nine yards. But, but that, it's ludicrous that I had to do that. There's there, there literally zero interest in my original idea. Um, mm. and, and, um, and, it, it, and I just feel like that, you know, original ideas, the, the art of this has been chipped away at ever since then. And it's getting worse and worse and worse now. And of course the independent film movement kind of, it moved on to television and we had this kind of golden age of television that was wonderful and original ideas were, were embraced there. Now that's getting compl uh, complicated and that's getting attacked. Absolutely. And, 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 and what we're talking about now is like the ultimate assault on these things. It's like, well, mm -hmm. well, the people who the people who will have all the original ideas, screw them. Uh, we're not even going to worry about IP anymore because we have this IP generator, right. and it's going to generate all we need. Uh, IP Bot Two Thousand is going to come mm -hmm. up with every fucking idea. And again, there, there is no art in it. There's no, you know, again, it's the it's the NFT thing. You know, I, I cannot wrap my mind around why an NFT has a value because it is a fucking JPEG. You know what I'm saying? I look at a, I look at a Matisse and I see the hundreds of hours that went into that mm -hmm. painting and I stand in front of it and it it strikes me to the fucking core and makes me feel something. Right. And I can appreciate that. I see it. I see the value in it. I see the art in it. Um, take a digital photo of a Matisse uh, and and turn it into a non fungible token. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah. zero fucking value and this is what we're talking about is we are talking but, about the difference between your matisse and this fucking non-fungible fucking token that that yeah. ip bot spit out sorry go ahead I'm gonna I, well, I want to be able to trust that i mean there are audiences that want to watch the kardashians you know yeah. that want to watch yeah. all the bad reality television that came out of the last strike that's yeah. just just the way it's going to be and i will admit i watch some reality tv yeah it's like usually mind numbing and i'm usually doing something else at the same time but but i'm going to try there was an interesting thing that that started happening i think it was about 5 years ago that they found that there was a sudden uptick in people all around the world and people going to museums mm -hmm. and wanting to see art real art and i think the human I think the human brain wants to be stimulated by something, you know, ultimately by something wonderful and amazing. There's a reason why we go hiking, why we go to the ocean, why we like to go to museums, why we like to see fine, amazing films and we watch them over and over again. Um, why we reread a book. I reread uh, Anna Karenina like every five years because it's one of my favorite books. And it's just, and it, and it isn't like, it isn't the party scenes. It's actually the the peasants, which that's the best part of the book. And mm -hmm. so I think that the that there, you know, there's a sense of, oh, that's just for ivory tower, college educated. No, you know, those are the elites who want that. And I don't think that's true. I think that the human human heart and brain and soul responds to fine and great art. And yeah. it, it doesn't, it can be created. It doesn't, it isn't created by elites and it isn't loved by elites. Yeah. I think well, that's. Uh, yeah. Well, well, well it, it is an achievement. Somebody touched it. Somebody did it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we, we are a society that celebrates 
human achievement. I mean, somebody cures polio and it's like, wow, look what they did. Uh, uh, LeBron James wins an, an, an NBA championship. Oh my God. Look, look what, look what those guys did. You know, um, uh, your, your, your kid, uh, you know, whatever wins a soccer game. Look what, look what she did. Um, uh, you know, uh, you see this beautiful painting, you know, what went into it, you know, the, the fight that they went through, you know, that there was something inside of them that they had to get down on the canvas or, or, on a, a written page or whatever. And it's like, look what they did. Mm -hmm. um, this alternative it is just kind of mass produced, vomited out nonsense. Nobody did it. Nobody put well, anything to it. Nobody, mm -hmm. no, there's no soul in it, right? Go, go ahead, David. I'm there's sorry. something that uh, I feel like Coppola said this at the beginning of like the camcorder and cheap uh, editing software revolution. The idea of, art being part of capitalism writ large and us all making money at it is almost a 20th century invention. Mm. Uh, artists have always had a Medici or a Pope or a Rockefeller to make art. But the idea of this, the, the Henry Ford, Isaiah, the factories that dot the landscape in Los Angeles, the thing that, and again, this is a this is sort of me being utopian and dystopian at the same time. The studios could all adopt chat GPI, throw us all out of our homes and apartments. We could all be broke. People are still going to make movies without using chat GBT. The, the people are still going to like digital digital art has not stopped people from buying oil paint. Mm -hmm. Now, can those people make a living with their oil paint? Fuck no. It's yeah. one in a billion. So what's the what's at danger is the idea of art being a bourgeois pastime rather than a proletarian. I get yeah. home from factory and I make a sculpture with my hands or I make a movie with my friends on the weekends. That's what is at stake. And to in that way that I like to bring it all around full circle, we have a unique opportunity with the timing of the writers, the Screen Actors Guild and the DGA all falling around the same time to band together and hopefully make the studios swallow something they do not want to swallow. Will we succeed is a big question, but you know, SAG, I don't know how SAG's strike authorization vote has gone yet. I don't think we've heard the answer to that yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah. DGA hasn't held that vote yet and they're overdue. Um, but you know, at a certain point, you you do look at, you know, the things that strikes have produced. The second season of Heroes. <laughs> right. Quantum of Solace. You know, like that, the reality TV uh, boom. Like it hasn't ever been good for us. And again, like the strike producing one guy writing, one scab writing Heroes ended up costing that studio a ton of money and killed a friend that we'd still be having episodes of that. There might be a hero cinematic universe right now. If the studios hadn't gone, no, let's just keep making heroes during the strike. No one will notice, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the Daniel Craig movie, most generally assumed to be terrible, <laughs> you know, even though I think it's not as bad as people say, is so because they rushed it into production with the first draft because there was a strike. 
Like they have seen this, they have been down this road before and failed. Will they learn from that? Fuck no, they will not. But they might. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have this hope that, you know, when I was on the picket line, there were these the, these young young picketers who had joined from the from the um, socialist alternative who are also pushing this. You know, everybody's talking about this narrative that they started out talking about is this this idea of the profit motive being the bottom line of how to create art. And as long as that's the focus, and as long as, again, those like top dozen CEOs, <laughs> eight CEOs are making that amount of money and not compensating those who create the, the work, as mm -hmm. long as that systemic, that's a systemic issue. And it's, and that's what's translating across the board, across the country. Yeah, I mean, it's in I, every you know, business. I, yeah, and I listen. If I was in another industry and I was looking at the writer's strike, I'd be like knocking on Zaslav's door and it's like, guys, get your get your shit together because yeah. the whole world is going to go in, in a general strike because this is catching fire because people are realizing it. So give the writers what they're asking for and take care of them. And you know, that's I think it's 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 becoming that big of a thing. And yeah. I think that that could work very, very much in our favor. And it should work in our favor. People, you know, whether it's a teacher or a writer, the, you know, the work that we do is important. It is important for the general public, it, whether it's an art or it's teaching students to be the, you know, future thinkers and artists. Uh -huh. We should be, you know, compensated appropriately for that and be able to have a career and have a living wage. So. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm like, you, you, I'm, I'm an activist through and through. You'll find me on many a picket line. And yeah. this to me, it really has me fired up because, you know, when I'm on the line and I see Yahtzee walking with me with their kids mm -hmm. in a stroller and I see SAG-AFTRA out there with their, their black shirts and they're out in numbers and in force because, you know, the teachers union went on strike. They got what they wanted here in LA. They were on strike for three days. Yeah. We're in yeah. week four. Yeah. We're in week four of not getting paid. People's health insurance is threatened right now. Mm -hmm. And Thank everybody's health insurance is threatened. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone in the industry. Like, yeah. you know, there not, a, a lot of the, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. There really wasn't a flurry of production right up until the strike. At, like they, oh, everything no. was kind of slow all around. My well, wife, that was intentional. That was yeah. intentional. If and, they slow down production, that gives them leverage. They also dropped yeah. a lot of popular shows. Yep. They, um, they didn't, you know, shows were not, um, that didn't have their premiere dates. They yep. um, didn't pick up seasons. And what does that do? That put, put scores of writers out of work or not getting yeah. paychecks. And that, you know, in my opinion, that was a strategic move. Also, they want everyone in IOTC to not be making their health days. Right. You yeah. Know, to not, yeah. To not right. be making their medical. You know, that's, right. yeah. if nothing's shooting, no one is making their medical. Right. Well, so, and, and, and you talk about the strategic plays. I mean, the whispers I keep hearing is that this is going to last like through the summer, basically, because the studios want to save money. Um, because they, because as, as time passes, they can start to use, you know, force majeure clauses, other clauses in contracts to start terminating, uh, contracts, uh, yes. uh, exactly. start getting rid of deals that they don't want. They, they want to use this to sort of purge their roles. Yeah. And that is, that is Dr. Evil type fucking shit. Oh yeah. Well, they'll do it. Yeah. They'll do it. I think yeah. if SAG and DGA, yeah. but even just, if just SAG joins, they, they can't. They got nothing to shoot. 
you know, uh, but they're willing to take that loss. That's the thing. Are yeah. they willing to take that loss? But here's my thing. Why not? Bob Backish made what 30 million in a bonus. Mm -hmm. That's where the law should be. I mean, we're not even talking about touching his salary. We're talking his bonus. Yeah. You take the bonus from the top eight. Okay, now can I show you my sign? Yes, show me <laughs> your sign. My sign. my sign refers to these gentlemen who <laughs> are making so much money. And I there's um actually at Warner, there's going to be a superhero pro, uh, picket. And so I'm dressing as Sister Knight from Watchmen. So who watches these men? who are making, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. They're making $243 million and that's before bonus and they have stock. It, you know, you take, that's that's who we should be asking to take the cut. Yeah. That's oh, absolutely. And, it's, and it's Bond villain money. It's like, what what store are you in where you went, where you look in your wallet and go, oh, I only have $100 million. <laughs> this right. is $110 million. I need more. Like it's, it's such an absurd amount of money. And there are yeah. people in this business, you know, there are, there are multi-million dollar movie stars who quietly like take part of their $20 million and spread it around their people and the people they work with. Mm -hmm. uh, when my sister worked for David Milch, he used to pass around envelopes to the entire uh, office staff that was whatever he had won at, he was a, he's a giant gambler. So he would, whatever he wanted the racetrack, he would just give to everyone. Like you'd get mm -hmm. your milch money for the week and it was $20 or it was $300, depending on how David did on the horses that weekend. Um, but you know, it, it can't be no, no bless, no, no bless oblige. It no. has to actually be. And the thing that's always amazing. And it's, it's that, uh, was it H.L. Mencken or Steinbeck that said the thing about there are no poor people, there are only temporarily embarrassed millionaires uh, <laughs> in the United States? Because it is everyone sitting on one of those boards is thinking someday I'll be David Zaslav. Right. None of them are thinking David Zaslav makes too money. They're thinking I, I want to make as much money as that guy. Oh, it's yeah. Like, they're aspirational. They're aspirational. all making enough money. Yes. And, they, and I, th I think that those guys, those eight guys I just showed you, they're not thinking about us. Even no. as the strike is going on, they're thinking, hey, he's making more money than me. It's a pissing contest amongst yeah. them mm -hmm. to make as much as they can. I, I, always, <laughs> I always think about Connery talked about going to dinner with Broccoli and Saltzman, who were the two producers of the Bond movies. And he said, you'd see these two guys who co-owned the franchise. And he's like, you could hear them out loud thinking this son of a bitch has half of my money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of being happy that yeah. they were the co-producers of the frigging bond franchise, broccoli's looking at Saltzman going, son of a bitch. I, I could have double what I have if you didn't exist and vice versa. Yeah. And that's psychotic. It's it gross. is psychotic. I, and, it's hap and it's happening all over the world. You know, Britain is going through such a hard time. And I've been watching these amazing videos of the public talking back and saying, it's insane that you're raising taxes on people who then have to decide, do I get groceries or my medicine? When if you tax the extremely wealthy, they're wondering, do I get a yacht? Do I have yeah. a whole lot of money or a little bit less of a whole lot of money? And that's the situation yeah. that the world every, is in. Every time someone, uh, every time, every time England's economy takes a hit, someone should walk into Buckingham Palace and say, "What can we sell?" <laughs> yeah, 
that that chandelier is probably worth a half a billion dollars. Let's let's take that thing down, break it down, sell the diamonds in the diamond market, give the money to the people. Wouldn't that yeah. be nice? Yeah, yeah it's know, crazy. It's, yeah. It, you know, it's like the Catholic Church founded by a man who said, you know, poor people should get a better deal. And they own like the most expensive art museum in the Western world. <laughs> like, you know what you can, you can, you can feed some people by selling some of this stuff. That statue right there could feed a small yeah. country for a very long period of time, you yeah. know, and the fact that that never occurs to them, yeah. you know, it just, as, as F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah. said, they are. I, I, they are I, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, 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 I'm looking at the, the numbers right now and I mean, yeah, take away bonuses, take away whatever. But there was this yeah. massive pie, you oh, know, yeah. that, 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 that uh, you know, that these companies are holding on to. What the WGA is asking for is uh, it is 0.91% yeah. of, of that revenue. It is just the tiniest sliver yeah. <laughs> of that pie. Uh, so we can live, so we can have health insurance. Um, mm -hmm. And again, we are the... Um, you know, we are the coal in the fire yeah. of this train, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, we are what your what your young friends online would have called. We are the means of production. Yeah, and and, and, and <laughs> really, what they would like to do is chop us all out yeah. uh, mm -hmm. of the equation, replace us with uh, you know uh, the IP two thousand uh, computer chat right. GTP, so they yeah. can save. 0.91% of, oh. uh, uh, of their annual revenue. Right. Uh, 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 not 1%, uh, yeah. 0.91. <laughs> and I think they know, I think they actually know that the chat GPT is certainly not now, not, certainly certainly not within the next five years, can really create the work that's going to generate the, the, the income. But they're trying to scare us with it, right? They're trying yeah. to make us tremble in our boots a little Absolutely. bit and take what, what we can because they, they're going to just eliminate us. Yeah. And we just need to stand strong. Yeah. And we just need to keep our numbers and stand with others because it's, you know, we, I, I really believe that we have the upper hand in this. It's just that they're trying to wait us out and convince us that we don't. Yeah. People still do turn into shows, but that say from the creator of Chernobyl, when it's, from the thing that you use to Google what time the store is open, you know, like that's, that's not a great producing career. That's not a great writing, but you know, from that search yeah. engine you use to find a picture of your grandmother, like, you know, that's not actually, it's not actually a great audience building uh, tool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, I can sling paint on a canvas. It, it isn't a Jackson Pollock, you know, um, there, there's that, but, but, but they will replace us. They will replace the actors. They will replace the directors. Um, and that means yeah. that, that means that the teamsters don't have any trucks to drive. That means yeah. that, uh, you know, grips, uh, uh, you know, don't have anything to set up. Um, uh, you know, there are no craft service tables, uh, uh, to, to be mm -hmm. set up. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it is an entire industry that is nuked. Yes. Um, and hand it over to, you know, Cyberdyne Systems or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and like yeah. I said, I think that, uh, again, not to be utopian about it, I think ultimately, even if they win that fight, they're going to face a situation where people are making independent films and people are still liking the independent films and they make a giant chat GPT movie that doesn't make any money. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, yeah, it's it's possible you can spit out that Chicago FD episode, uh, 
but create the series, cast the actors, you know, right. it, it gets straight. And again, at some point humans do have to collaborate with it. I think that, you know, there's, People talk about AI like it's Skynet, but it's not. It is a tool. An executive has to order something from it. Mm-hmm. A human being actually has to ask it a question. It will not spontaneously be sitting out, putting out prets. You know, uh, uh, someone has to feed in the information and get out the thing. And that is the point at which we apply the pressure. You but just- even if it does get that good. That's the, we have to consider that even if it gets yeah. nearly as good as a human, which it, I mean, it's based on us, right? Yeah. Um, and, and technology only is getting, is, is growing and getting, improving, improving is, a, you know, I put that in quotes, um, but it's, it's changing and improving every, as I said, every single year, every moment. Mm-hmm. And it's learning all the time from us. Everybody who inputs anything to chat GPT. I know, which is why I get mad every time some friend of mine is like, oh, I made some funny AI images. I'm like, you're, you're part of the problem. You're inputting. It's learning from us. Every time we input something and it it scrapes a script and every time it's learning from us, even the, it's, it's a moral issue in a way. way, Because we want to say, even if it's as good, what are we saying about humanity and humans? Do we protect humans and humanity and what who we are and what we produce? And, and, and do we make a decision that even if it does create a hit movie, do we still put guardrails around it? Do we yeah. still decide how we're going to use it and if we're going to use it? Because we have to have that foresight and that forethought because we didn't about yeah. streaming. We, you know, people, we didn't realize how big streaming was going to get. We better realize how good AI will get. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and and I I absolutely am not just union guardrails, but government guardrails because of all of like copyright is a thing, you know. Copyright is a real thing, and copywritten images should not be available to any of those programs without monies, serious monies being paid. But you know, it's a that's the that's the challenge of it. No, the point I was making wasn't so much that it won't get better or couldn't make something good, but that ultimately the choke point is that someone actually has to order up yes. the hit movie yes. from it. And yes. that is the person on whom, like it's not gonna be turning out Terminator robots without someone saying, hey, make me a Terminator robot. Until you know, it's sentient, and, yes. <laughs> yes, well, fingers crossed that it won't. I always remember that I went to see Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, ordered my tickets online, got there and the machines that spit out the tickets were broken. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, well, crisis averted for now. (laughs) Like I'm not so much worried about it launching every thermonuclear weapon in the world when it cannot print out a couple of tickets for the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Like I I feel like we have found a weak spot, but all that said, we should wrap up. Uh, You know, I I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground and, Mm. uh, I, I, I hope this has been informative for people who really didn't know what the stakes were and how high the stakes are. The stakes are everything you love uh, and enjoy. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But I like I said, I, I think that I personally think the studios have overplayed their hand and the contracts all coming up relatively around the same time. I've been here since 88, since the strike in 88, and I just have never seen, I've seen the fighting between the unions. I've seen 
even in 2007, I remember IATSE being very like, I can't you believe you people are fucking up our shit. It's like, yeah, not happening this time. Yeah. Teamsters nope. not crossing the picket lines. I actually even think strategically the WGA is being a little bit smart right now and not having pickets out at 5 a.m. every morning because they're letting the things that are in production finish. Letting the people well, who have jobs are we are out at 5 a.m. I mean, yeah, but but those aren't the official posted hours. They're not at like the the no, official strike no, no. hours are nine to five. No, they could make we, them five to eight if they wanted to really yeah. fuck it up. But we you know? but we do have calls out. I mean, in New York, I don't know if you know, my former showrunner yeah, um, Warren Light is is a strike captain, and he's been they've been disrupting production because that's I saw that production is the way to bring. Yeah, this to a head and to really and and the fact that that even with that happening, which Yahtzee knows and Yahtzee sometimes helps us to strategize around, yeah. tells you how powerful this fight is. Yeah. yeah, no, and I saw that like what was it? Three or four writers got a Penguin location shoot mm -hmm. shut down because the Teamsters wouldn't. They got there at four a.m. and the Teamsters showed yeah. up and went. We don't cross picket, picket lines. Yeah. I mean, yeah. New York New York Teamsters are not going to cross a picket line. Never. Uh, but yeah, I think, I look on set with those guys. Never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, but I think I, I feel like the union's being relatively light handed at the moment and the heavy hand has not yet been, you know, getting a hundred people at the main gate yes. at 5 a.m. That's when we're trying to kill it. That's yes. when we're really yeah. trying to shut down everything all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's time for that. Um, you know, particularly mm -hmm. as time goes on, it's going to, you know, it's going to get hard. It's going to get harder on both sides. Um, but we're in it to win it. We are. We in are. And, and, yeah. and we don't, and we only need, um, just, just so people know, we only need two people protesting at a gate at 4 a.m. They keep moving the time back yeah. when the trucks arrive. It used to be 7 a.m. And then the call went out to five and now four. You just need two people on a picket line and, and the uh, Teamsters will not cross that line. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, one person doesn't qualify as a picket yeah. line, but two yeah. people <laughs> to make a line. <laughs> to make a to make a picket line. Yeah, one person can be a crank. Two people yeah. is two cranks, but it's also a picket line. But yeah, yeah. no, it's I, I think that power that power definitely exists. And it, again, if yeah. SAG goes out, that's a big chunk of what they can and cannot do. And yeah, these guys are colossal idiots who may well try and wait it out, but I don't I, I don't I don't know what the it it's so hard to judge what they think they're gonna what what the studio version of winning this is. It's hard to imagine how they think that's gonna play out. But well, I think I and I just I know we have to go, but I would say that the more pressure that we can put out there, that the shareholders start to say, um, yeah. wait a second, David. Yeah. And we watched the Boston University commencement, and right. you got booed royally and the PR around this, the, the optics is not helping our bottom line mm -hmm. and the stock is still tanking as long that's where we win the fight. Oh, ab ab absolutely. Make those guys uncomfortable. Yeah. David Zaslov thought that was going to be a fun weekend for him. <laughs> he thought he was going to get a lot of love. No, uh, he, he obviously doesn't have a friend who can be honest with him. That's what I always oh. think about these guys. David Zaslov doesn't know anyone who was willing to say to him, dude, a bunch of fucking college students? Are you insane? And his friend, his childhood friend is president of BU. Yeah. He gave BU $100 million last year. And yeah. that's 
that's why he was asked to speak. And it's like, no one thought, wait, uh, so the first black woman Supreme Court justice. Also there. Yeah. Let her speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. also there. No, it's, okay. it's done. That is one of those, I mean, it's a side note, but that is one of those things about the super rich that I just always think like, when something that like that happened, I was like, you have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> like literally you don't have anyone willing yeah. to say to you, this is not going to go well for you, man. Don't yeah. fucking do it. You no, know, you're right. You're right. It's because right. ultimately if you had a friend, they would try to talk you out of making public appearances right now. <laughs> but anyway, where, where can people find you online, Melanie? Where can they uh, follow you, see you? What do you got coming up next, et cetera? Um, the, well, I, I will be finding out, um, I pitched a podcast and uh, have gone through the hoops. And so I'm waiting to find out about that, which I can hopefully announce soon. But Excellent. you can, you can read, well, I've got Omni, which is my, right. my, my book. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Melody Cooper Film, at Melody Cooper Film. And, Great um, place to see frontline dispatches from the strike, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely posting each day and there are great people out there. It's not, you know, yeah, we get like Weezer performed at Paramount and we've got, you know, famous people walking the line. Jimmy Kimmel was walking with us the other day. It's all great, but it's the everyday people, the everyday writers, the young writer, the writer's assistant who's not even in the union. They're in Yahtzee. They're not covered by WGA. And they're out there because they don't yeah. see a future. And, and, um, and people are joining us from all walks. Oh, yep. well. and, and I invite anybody who's in L.A. or in New York or Chicago yes. in particular to join us on the picket line. You don't have to be in the union. You can join us and support us. And we'd love to see you. And we have good you food. Don't even, you, you don't even have to be in show business. Just no. be supportive of what I like to call the popular arts yeah. and yeah. Uh, and come out and march. Everybody is really nice. Yeah, it's fun. It's <laughs> a good. Everybody is it's really fun. nice. Yeah. Sometimes there's free donuts. Sometimes yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> Flavor Flav dropped like a gang of great pizza off at the WB the other day. Uh, yeah, I was when I was. I don't know what's going to happen. I was marching at Paramount the other day, and my favorite, one of my favorite pizza joints, uh, Demores from out in Malibu, had a truck there, uh, mm -hmm. and that was that was very nice. Um, yeah, they've got the taco trucks out. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, it, it's 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 the support has been really great. And, yep. and much needed, and um, and hopefully we'll win this. Absolutely. Yeah. Ryland, where can people find you? Uh, they will find me uh, on the picket lines, uh, <laughs> next to Melody, across town from Melody, wherever they need me. I'm, I'm parachuting in and eating some pizza and listening to Weezer and, uh, you know, <laughs> chanting away. Uh, you will find me there, but you can also find me uh, on all forms of social media uh, at Ryland Grant. That is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T if you are listening. Um, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents sort of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Um, but yeah, um, if you uh, missed out on the Jump uh, 3 Kickstarter, uh, you can now go to uh, thejump3.backerkit.com. And it's uh, kind of a one-stop Ryland Grant shop. You got all things Jump there and, you know, Banjax and Everett and Peacekeepers and Suicide Jockeys and all my greatest hits signed and uh, rare con variants and all that stuff. So it's a cool place to visit. Um, go to uh, your local comic shop and pick out uh, pick up uh, Hulk Annual Number One by David Pepos, starring yours truly. Um, it's a it's a good ride, and um, you know, 
I picked up this uh, this book, Elvira in Monsterland. It was pretty damn good. You might want to check that out too. Thank you. Oh, I, <laughs> I, rec I recommend it uh, highly. It's uh, got a lot of Draculas in it, including probably your favorite Dracula. Uh, I can be found at davidavalonefreelance.com. Uh, I am easily Googled. That branches out to all of the things. Uh, if you have a Max subscription, you can watch uh, Bat Wheels with your kids. My episodes haven't dropped yet, but keep keep it alive. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of great Andy Sedaris films on there, too. It's yeah, good. a lot of great Andy I recently discovered that my quote-unquote directorial debut is on Amazon, and I was sad for everybody. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I will not say the title. But you can, you know, anyone with IMDb can probably figure it out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Melody, and for talking about uh, the the present and the future with us. And thanks everybody for listening. And thanks, we'll man. catch you on the next exciting episode. See you soon, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more Madcap Hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.